1: Hello and welcome to the Ask Science podcast, formerly known as Everyday Einstein. My name is Henry G. I'm a paleontologist and evolutionary biologist. I am also a senior editor at Nature and the author of several books. My newest book, A Very Short History of Life on Earth, comes out this November from St. Martin's Press. Just like this podcast, My book aims to make science easy to understand and exciting to listen to. So the publishing team behind both my book and the Ask Science podcast thought you might like to hear a bit of it. So, over the next five weeks, I'll be taking over the Ask Science podcast for a special limited series about the evolution of life. You'll learn about the full, rich history of life on this precious planet from the earliest single-celled organisms to the complex creatures we share the planet with today and all the catastrophes along the way. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, I think you'll love this short series. So please, keep listening now. Here's the episode. A Song of Fire and Ice Once upon a time, a giant star was dying. After burning hydrogen for millions of years, the fusion furnace at its core was running low. Nuclear fusion did more than make the star shine. It was vital to counteract the inward pull of the star's own gravity. When hydrogen began to run low, the star began to fuse helium into atoms of heavier elements such as carbon, and oxygen. By then, though, the star was running on empty. The day came when the fuel ran out completely. Gravity won. The star imploded. The collapse took a split second and prompted a rebound so explosive that it lit up the universe. A supernova in the cataclysm of one star's death, was born the seeds of something new. Millions of years later, the gravitational shock wave of the explosion passed through a cloud of gas, dust and ice. The stretch and squeeze of the gravitational wave made the cloud fall in on itself. Gravity squeezed the gas at the cloud's centre so much that atoms began to fuse together, creating light and heat. The circle of stellar life was complete. From the death of an ancient star emerged another, fresh and new, our sun. Swirling around the new sun, the gas cloud coagulated into a system of planets, One was our Earth. The infant Earth was very different from the one we know today. The atmosphere was an unbreathable fog of methane, carbon dioxide, water vapour and hydrogen. The surface was an ocean of molten lava, perpetually stirred up by the impacts of asteroids, comets and even other planets. One of these struck the Earth a glancing blow and disintegrated. The collision blasted much of the Earth's surface into space. For a few million years, our planet had rings like Saturn. Eventually, the rings coalesced to create another new world, the Moon. All this happened approximately 4.6 billion years ago. Millions more years passed. The day came when the earth had cooled enough for the water vapour in the atmosphere to condense and fall as rain. It rained for millions of years, long enough to create the first oceans. And oceans were all there were. There was, as yet, no land. The earth, once a ball of fire, had become a world of water. Not that things were any calmer. In those days the earth spun faster on its axis than it does today. The new moon loomed close above the black horizon. Every tide was a tsunami. Amid all this tumult and disaster, life began. It began in the deepest depths of the ocean, where jets of boiling water rich in minerals gushed out from cracks in the ocean floor. The earliest living things were no more than scummy membranes that formed when the rising currents became turbulent and diverted into eddies, dumped their cargo of mineral-rich debris into gaps in the rock. Protected from the clamour of the outside world, these tiny pools were havens of order. Slowly, they refined the generation of energy, using it to bud off small bubbles, each encased in its own portion of the parent membrane. This was haphazard at first, but gradually became more predictable as a result of the development of an internal chemical template that could be copied and passed down to new generations of membrane-bound bubbles. This ensured that new generations of bubbles were, more or less, faithful copies of their parents. These simple bubbles found themselves at the very gates of life, in that they found a way to halt if temporarily and with great effort, the otherwise inexorable increase in entropy, the net amount of disorder in the universe. Such is an essential property of life. These foamy lathers of tiny soap-bubble cells stood as tiny clenched fists defiant against the lifeless world. Perhaps the most amazing thing about life, apart from its very existence, is how quickly it began. It was stirred into existence a mere hundred million years after the planet itself formed, when the young Earth was still being bombarded from space by bodies large enough to create the major impact craters on the Moon. But by 3.7 billion years ago, it had spread from the permanent dark of the ocean depths to the sunlit surface waters. By 3.4 billion, living things had started to throng together in their trillions to create reefs, structures visible from space. The reefs were made from microscopic organisms called cyanobacteria, sometimes called blue-green algae, the same creatures that form the bluish-green scum on ponds today. Life began in a world that was almost entirely free from oxygen. With no protective ozone layer, the sun's ultraviolet rays killed everything they touched. As a means of defence, cyanobacteria evolved pigments that tamed these harmful rays and put them to work. They used the energy to fuse carbon, hydrogen and oxygen atoms together to create sugars and starch. This is the process we call photosynthesis. Harm had become harvest. But there was a catch. Photosynthesis produces, as a waste product, a colourless, odourless gas one of the deadliest substances in the universe. Its name? Free oxygen, or O2. To the earliest life, free oxygen spelled environmental catastrophe. The oxygen caused the first of many mass extinctions in the Earth's history. Free oxygen became more abundant during the Great Oxidation Event, a turbulent period, between about 2.4 and 2.1 billion years ago, when the concentration of oxygen in the atmosphere rose to a little below 2% of the atmosphere by volume, the current value is 21%, this sounds small, but it had huge consequences. An upsurge in tectonic activity buried vast quantities of carbon-rich organic detritus the corpses of generation on generation of living things, beneath the ocean floor. This kept it away from oxygen's reach. The result was a surplus of free oxygen that could react with anything it touched. Oxygen etched the very rocks, turning iron to rust and carbon to limestone. At the same time, Gases such as methane and carbon dioxide were scrubbed from the air, absorbed by newly formed rock. Methane and carbon dioxide are two of the gases in the downy filling of the insulating blanket that keeps the earth warm. They promote what we call the greenhouse effect. Without them, the Earth plunged into the first and greatest of its many ice ages. Glaciers spread from pole to pole, covering the entire planet in ice for 300 million years. And yet, the great oxidation event and subsequent snowball Earth episode were the kinds of apocalyptic disasters in which life on Earth has always thrived. Many living things died, but life was spurred on to undergo its next revolution. At some point before two billion years ago, colonies of bacteria began to adopt the habit of living inside a common membrane. It began when a small bacterial cell found itself dependent on some of the cells around it for vital nutrients. This tiny cell extended tendrils towards its neighbours so they could swap genes and materials more easily. The participants in what had been a free-wheeling commune of cells became more and more interdependent. What was once a loose colony became an integrated entity, a new order of life, the nucleated or eukaryotic cell. Creatures with nucleated cells are called eukaryotes. They include almost every living creature large enough to see without a microscope, as well as many that aren't. Eukaryotes started to diversify around 1.2 billion years ago, into forms recognisable as early single-celled relatives of algae and fungi. For the first time, they ventured away from the sea and colonised freshwater ponds and streams inland. Crusts of algae, fungi and lichens began to adorn seashores once bare of life. Some even experimented with multicellular life, such as the 1.2 billion-year-old seaweed Bangiomorpha and the approximately 900 million-year-old fungus Urosphera. But there were stranger things. The earliest multicellular creatures are 2.1 billion years old. Some could fill the palm of your hand, so hardly microscopic but they are so strange in form to our modern eyes that their relationship with other organisms is obscure. We cannot discount the possibility that there once lived entire categories of living organism bacterial, eukaryote or something entirely other that died out without leaving any descendants and which we should therefore find hard to comprehend. The first rumbles of an oncoming storm came from the breakup of a supercontinent, Rodinia. This included every significant landmass at the time. It resulted in a series of ice ages, the like of which had not been seen since the Great Oxidation event. They lasted 80 million years and covered the entire globe but life responded once again by rising to the challenge. Life went into these new ice ages as a range of peaceable seaweeds, algae, fungi and lichens. It emerged tough, mobile and looking for trouble. For if life on earth was forged in fire, it was hardened in ice. Well, that's all for this episode of Ask Science. Thank you for listening. Please make sure you follow this podcast wherever you like to listen to audio. Next week, we'll be talking about the Great Permian Catastrophe, and I don't want you to miss an agonizing minute. If you like this content and want to hear more, you can pre-order my new book, A Very Short History of Life on Earth. You can either click the link in the episode description or find the book wherever books or audiobooks are sold. Again, that's A Very Short History of Life on Earth by me, Henry G. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.